This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student wellbeing, character development and academic improvement. Welcome to the Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Corr. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project, the podcast where we get a chance to talk with prominent Christians who've been able to integrate their faith and a sense of purpose in their vocation. On today's episode, my colleague Jared Phantom will be talking with Sue Bartho. Sue commenced some medical studies but realised that she was interested in something beyond just the bodies of her patients and transferred across to complete a Bachelor of Science in Psychology. That's been the field that she's continued to explore uh, throughout her career, working in various uh, positions and taking different responsibilities, including working with some uh, Anglican denominational support processes and supervisory structures. She's running her own private practice at Hornsby, married with three children and is the director of the Brunswick Heads Beach Mission, one of the key parts of her work. I hope that you enjoy this conversation between Jared and Sue. Sue, can I welcome you so much to the Inspiration Project podcast? Thanks so much, Jay. It's lots of fun to be with you. So much fun to have you here. So thank you so much for making the time to be here. Now, you're on your website, you say that your conviction is how we think and feel about our core sense of self will influence every aspect of our lives. Would you be able to please expand on that, what you mean by it and where you discovered this kind of conviction? And can I add too, Jay, I'm actually a, a qualified clinical psychologist. So yeah. some of those introductory frameworks are, yeah, some of the influences within that, but I'm, you know, qualified and registered as a, as a clinical psychologist. So core sense of self, I think the answer to that is probably, you know, it's developed through my psychology study. I mean, I've been working in ClinPsych now for over 30 years and, you know, the combination of well, the people you meet and the contrast, Jay, between the healthy people and the unhealthy people uh, stands out to me pretty strongly that the healthy people, I think, have an acceptance and even an enjoyment of being who they are, you know, whereas the unhealthy, you know, if we're talking emotionally unhealthy, if we're looking at those anxieties and depressions and, and a raft of other things, often, you know, there's a unease with myself or a disliking of myself or an or embarrassment or even shame, you know, some of that negative stuff towards myself. So I, you know, just find that a helpful, some helpful phrasing that I you've got off my website there. Um, and it certainly does guide how I work and how I think. I love that idea that the core sense of self and understanding oneself, it, it might be difficult for a lot of people to really dive into, okay, what is my my core beliefs, my core sense of self? How can I really attach to that properly? Would you be able to help someone, because this audience is mainly a younger audience, for a young person that doesn't know their core sense of self, what it actually is, why it's important in the first place, would you be able to explain and, and help a young person? Look, sure, Jay. I think... <laughs> In that, when I'm helping people in that process, I think it's really the sum total of how I think about myself 
okay? So, you know, it's going to be shaped by, and sometimes I'll get a, a person to get a bit of paper and write me a whole page of sort of I am self-statements, you know, I am Sue, I am female, I am Australian, you know, with English and Australian heritage. You with me? And you start with those fairly basic descriptors, but then it starts to get deeper, you know, about my convictions, um, my religion, my political persuasions, you know, my thoughts and fears, my hopes and dreams. Now, I think the sum total of all that is going to help me kind of, you know, get more in touch with who is this unique person, Sue, for me, you know, and, yeah, so it's fairly abstract, but I think that's a practical idea of just writing a long list of I am's. For you, Sue, you mentioned that you are a clinical psychologist, which I think is honestly incredible. For you, why did you choose to study in that field in the first place? I can talk about God's guidance. I actually did first year medicine out of school and I failed a subject. I failed anatomy, much to my children's hilarity. Um, But during that year, I think I was exposed to issues psychological for the first time. And I think I came up with a phrase that guided me in that I was interested in something more intrinsic about a person than their body. Mm. And so I had a choice there at the end of 1981 whether I would repeat the whole year of medicine or transfer into a psychology degree. And I took that latter option. And look, I had never met a psychologist. I had hardly had a clue what I was doing. But I finished that, the rest is history, of course, finished that um, BSc, a science degree in psychology with honours, went off to England and worked in Christian ministry and then came back and did a master's in ClinPsych, which qualified me as a psychologist and eventually a ClinPsych. You spent five years in London, is that correct? Yeah, in England, the UK, yeah. Studying, what was that like? What was that experience like? Can you share some of the stories? I can imagine you got it. Oh, well, <laughs> how long have we got, Jay? <laughs> well, okay, it, it began It began with five fabulous months traveling Asia and Europe with three boys from the youth group. So that it, that you know, help again, loads of fabulous stories and and how 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 enriching. We visited a series of missionaries on that journey. We went to Labrie in Switzerland. I don't know if you've heard of Labrie. Um, and because I have a British passport, I the plan was that I'd get off after five months and stay with friends of the family and found a church and found a job. So it sounds wonderful. In truth, it was a pretty tough time. A, a basic psychology degree actually doesn't equip you for very much. <laughs> so I, I literally did some, you know, I did data processing and very basic jobs and got then got a job as a residential social worker in an adolescent unit. And that's what I wanted. I wanted some experience with real people. I was about 23, you know, and young and naive. So I worked worked, lived in Bedford, worked in Milton Keynes in this adolescent unit for 18 months. And then I applied and was accepted to work with the, in Christian ministry, in the British student movement, with the equivalent of our AFES. Yeah. Uh, sorry, all the acronyms. So I worked for UCCF, Universities and Colleges Christian Fellowship. I moved up to Leeds and I was the Northeast staff worker covering seven universities for those three years from 88 to 91. Wow. And then came home in 91 and 
you know, started my master's in clean psych at Macquarie Uni, you know, working as a tutor there and on the staff of uh, that church there. Yeah, and the, again, kind of that's got me qualified as a psychologist. And when you finished your actual degree from Macquarie University, did you go start your own practice or did you go work for someone? No, that's right. Initially, I worked in the rehab sector. Um, yep. yep, doing, you know, workers' comp rehab for a while and some work here with the Mount, Mount Wilgara Rehab Hospital here in uh, Hornsby. And so, and through those years, I got married and had three babies. So I was just working one day a week, but moved into private practice. Well, look, it's at least 25 years ago now. So I'm going to say I had maybe 10 years of working in rehab and, uh, you know, getting our family moving. And also during that time, Jay, I was a contact person for the Anglican Professional Standards Unit. So... That's pretty interesting, um, you know, really dealing with the issues of sexual misconduct in the Anglican Church. So that was just a sort of part-time job through those years, which brought me eventually into private practice. And, of course, private practice gives you, actually, I feel more freedom to be actively Christian. A whole other conversation there, but people seek me out as a Christian clinical psych and so I'm able to, you know, be sympathetic, I guess, to their worldview if that's where they're coming from. Let me get back to the Christian side of things, being being in a practice, because I, I do find that very interesting. But I wanted to ask you about being in a rehabilitation center for quite a long period of time. You would have had to learn quite a lot, <laughs> some important lessons. Have you found... Oh, my first question is, what were some of the lessons that you did learn? I'm, I'm racking your brain here today, Sue, <laughs> going back into the past. What yeah. were some of the lessons that you learned back then and have they helped you in private practice today? Oh, Jay, as you say, it, it feels like um, archaeology <laughs> digging back. <laughs> Look, a few topics come to mind. Certainly one is chronic pain and you know, it's helpful to have had a bit of background in that tricky topic, you know, um, and and certainly the principles that you come out of that are things like, you know, focusing what you can um, impact and what you can change in your life rather than on what you can't. Um, oh, goodness, rehab. I, I mean, so much of it is undergirded by, you know, how you're thinking and whether you're trying to, you know, being aware of the patterns of what I would say a conscious self-talk as, as well as the deeper, I would call them emotional beliefs we have about ourselves. So, I mean, that's they're just big, pretty much cognitive behavioural principles. Those principles would undergird every field of psychology mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, how we think and what we believe about ourselves. So, yes, in rehab you're meeting lots of people whose lives have been suddenly changed by an accident, maybe catastrophically. You know, sometimes it's you know paraplegia or quadriplegia that has smashed someone's world. So, again, to my mind it's core, it's almost counselling the core psychology skills of, you know, empathising and probably validating, you know, the emotional craziness they would be going through, you know, in those circumstances, Mm. but then helping them slowly, slowly begin to make sense of it in terms of the choices that lie before them and the meaning this has for them. (laughs) 
were you allowed to bring in that spiritual side of therapy? Well, really the, you know, the, the, the strict rule, the, the ethical guidelines within which we operate are, no, I can't be introducing that, you know, I, I certainly can't be proselytising. I can be ex- helping them reflect on and explore their own spiritual resources. You with me? So the, 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 yeah. the big rule, the cardinal rule is working within their framework but as I said, if they've come to me as a Christian and they want want my help in engaging with their faith on that journey, let's go. <laughs> I'm all ears then. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm in. What do you love the most about being a psychologist or a therapist, Sue? I think it's the privilege of walking beside people, Jay. Mm. Seriously, you know, quite intimate territory really, just those inner workings of our head and heart that, well, sometimes even a spouse is not party to, um, you know, help it, trying to create a safe place, yeah, for people to get perspective. And I, I think some of the core ideas I would bring to my work are, you know, I'm really wanting to, you know, show people how to strengthen and empower themselves, you know, to regain confidence um, to face life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy for the opposite to happen. Yeah, me personally, I've more recently, I've kind of thought about going into or studying therapy or or something because a lot of the conversations I've had with therapists, it's kind of opened my eyes to things that I haven't really thought about before, which has just fascinated me. Like the whole human psychology and, and belief and core ideas and traumas and you name it. It's, it's a, a whole nother world for me to learn and absorb and how we can actually help not just older people, but young people too in that field. So I think what you're doing is is an admirable line of work and therapists have helped me in the past too get over depression, anxiety, that sort of thing. So, you know, thank you for, for your work. But I wanted to ask you, Sue, because you are a Christian and you do you did mention just a moment ago that Christians come and seek you out and, and you do um, speak with them and help them. But how does spirituality, more specifically the belief in God, how does that intersect with human psychology? Oh, lovely, delicious question, Jay. <laughs> I think it, it intersects all over the place. I mean, I, I've uh, several answers come to mind. I mean, I think for starters, faith gives you a framework for life, doesn't it? That secular humanism doesn't really give you, you know, the big questions of who am I and why am I here? Yeah. Um, so certainly in, in terms of purpose and meaning, you know, a, a Christian framework or a faith framework gives you some really helpful uh, foundations. I think, um, again, in Christian uh, faith, there's resources for knowing I'm loved, uh, which are, are extraordinary really, and I don't think actually any other faith offers quite that, as well as resources for forgiveness. Um, you know, that those are beautiful ideas about knowing God as Father and and having confidence before God about where I stand because of Jesus. I mean, they're, they're unique, Jay. I guess you might know that by now. Um, and can and the, do you know some of the stuff that I particularly love is what I call the emotional safety 
in the in the throne room so that um, I should unpack that but that idea of because of Jesus you know we can have this extraordinarily safe relationship with the father where I you know he knows me better than I know myself mm-hmm. and he loves me you know I seriously have heard a buddhist psychologist in a public lecture say just imagine for a moment there's a place where you're fully known and you're fully loved. And, I, you know, I'm sitting going, hello, I think I know where that place is. Mm-hmm. So you with me? I, that, that excites me, Jay. It really excites me. I mean, it's in that territory, I think, well, I've mentioned a few there, where Christian faith gives you unique resources, you know, to to comfort our, you know, our fragile souls. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely with you there, Sue, but I want to, sort of push back a little bit and ask you, have you ever been challenged by this idea in terms of like with your study, with your peers even? Like maybe it's not a good idea to bring in spirituality. Like let's just stick to the basics here of what we know. Okay. I mean, look, um, I think I'm hearing you ask maybe two things. One is you know, God is not the answer necessarily to every emotional problem. Uh, you know, I, I, in the how I work, often it's going to be helping people look at how they're thinking actually about themselves and their beliefs about themselves are as powerful as their beliefs about God. Yeah. So you with me? So, yeah, and certainly I do work with non-Christians and spirituality may not come into it. Yeah. So um, there's a whole range of those, you'd call them cognitive, the how we're thinking, and, and the behavioural is the what I'm doing. So sometimes it's very, you know, practical skills, Jay, around, you know, problem solving, decision making, social skills, time planning, assertiveness, you know, some of those skills for life yeah. that are very functional. Yeah, so that is that, you know, so no... You know, it's not as simplistic as God is the answer. There's a lot of skills I'm often teaching people. Um, and, yes, I guess there's pushback sometimes, if that's what you're asking, in terms of those existential questions of, you know, is Jesus true? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it frustrates me sometimes that um, the emotional health of Christians is actually not so different to the emotional health of non-Christians. And I... Can't quite figure that out. I mean, why aren't I mean? Look, I, I'm not. I don't think that's maybe a hundred percent true. You know, the research is pretty interesting. You know, if you're comparing churchgoers with non-churchgoers, and and on some dimensions, you know, it is looking healthier. But you'd want it to be a bit more radical, wouldn't you? If someone was depressed, if someone was anxious at the moment, and they are a Christian. How would you help them overcome? I know they probably need to come and see you and it needs to be a longer conversation, but how do we help them initially start the process towards healing? Yeah, look, from where my approach is to help them get in touch with these patterns in their thinking, Mm. you know, and their beliefs about themselves. So here we go. I mean, I... Often, and when I'm doing public talks on anxiety, which I did a lot before COVID and not so much recently, um, 
I sometimes, you know, illustrate it that if if fear was a red ball off to my right here, then it's very easy. You know, it's it's example of parents, it's my own personality, it's circumstances of life that can really tune me into listening to fear. And, you know, I, I would define anxiety <laughs> as listening to fear, three words, you know, listening to fear. And it's so I'm trying to help people appreciate, you know, that I have an, I'm an active agent in what I uh, feed my mind, in what I let myself listen to, and that by definition when there are habits and patterns of anxiety, there's patterns of, of you with me, listening to fear, all, all the what if. What if? What if they don't like me? What if I embarrass myself? What if I get can't you with me? Yeah. And I want to help people be aware of that choice. Actually, I mean, I realise it's not that straightforward. There's lots of other factors, but um, I've got habits here of feeding this anxiety, which cripples me. It does yeah. me no good at yeah. all. And what I suggest is, you know, imagining a red stop sign and and turning 180 degrees and trying to give myself, you know, a different focus. I, I talk about trust, relax, enjoy mm. in the first instance, a, a different, you know, empowering myself. I do not need to, you know, weaken myself really with all this overwhelming, terrifying possibilities. You know, I need to be able to learn how to strengthen myself. So that pretty much applies. That's the anxiety stuff. And I kind of go for a similar a definition of depression I would say is listening to powerlessness and negativity. Mm. So again, I can get myself into that black hole, can't I? Just believing that I'm hopeless and helpless and powerless and lost. And I, you know, yeah, the, my role as a therapist is to help people just see what they're doing to themselves. Well, of course, see the circumstances that might be contributing, mm. you know, and stand, walk alongside them in you know, teaching them, I guess, showing them how to challenge the unhelpful thinking, cultivate some more, with me, respectful, healthy thinking that's, again, like able to solve problems, you know, able to set some goals, able to have a sense of well, direction but also control over my life. <laughs> I love all that. And how would you bring God into the equation? Would you just weave him in there? Again, I dumped him. I, you know, I've said on the left-hand side of my thinking, I've got trust and relax and enjoy. So for most Christians, they know what trust is. I mean, actually, Jay, fascinating topic. I mean, the scriptures are full, aren't they? Hundreds of instructions, you know, don't be afraid, mm. trust me. Well, the only thing to be afraid of is God himself. But this, you know, theme, Old Testament and new, don't be afraid. So I love, I find that fascinating. Yeah, so, well, look, it's, it's a big conversation, Jay, a big conversation, isn't it, about helping myself really develop some new habits. Now, again, you know, any habit takes a, while, a long time to change, and initially it feels very awkward, but I'm wanting to coach myself, you know, away from the what if, what if, what if, what if, what if to, okay, you know, this is this is what I can be doing to help myself. Now, that's just sensible stuff. If I'm putting God in the equation, well, I would be wanting to remind myself, you know, he's 100% good. 
you know, he wants me to be able to <laughs> relax, I think, and rest in his, uh, um, you know, safe character. Are you with me? In his good plans and promises and, and obviously what he's done in history. So it's, and that probably is a, yeah, leads along to some self-talk that says, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, what I need to do is, you know, focus on today, use today well, because when, it's not if, it's when difficult things come, then I will have to walk with him through those valleys, you know, with as much faith and grace as I can find, but, you know, rather than, you know, what, what if, what if I get cancer? What if my mother dies? It's like, yeah, that's such wasted energy, such wasted resources. I, I want to coach myself to, oh, I think it's about enjoying being the person he's made me to be, you know, enjoying the roles he's given me, um, you know, using my gifts in service in the church, using my vocation, it, with me, it's so, I love that word, enjoy. Trust, relax, enjoy, Jay. I think they're beautiful, big concepts. I think they are too. And and the verse that kept coming to my mind as you were talking about that was trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on, on thy own understanding. Uh, I think it was in all trust. your ways. Yes, yeah, in all your ways. Yeah. And he shall, he shall direct your path or something along those lines. So that kept coming to my, my brain as you were talking about that. So I, I'm going to... I need to put it up on my wall, actually. Oh, and, um, and, and Jay, but I mean, Isaiah 43 is another classic, isn't it? You know, do not fear, I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, you are mine. I mean, this intimate calling, this intimate, you know, please put, please set your eyes on me because, of course, there's a zillion fearful possibilities on this planet and, and it, it really draws us into quite significant spiritual battle, doesn't it, as well as emotional battle. Yeah. So, again, I don't I don't want to be simplistic and I'm very aware, oh, here we go, Jay, I'm very aware a lot of Christians compound their distress because they feel their failures as a Christian. Mm. And, yeah. and we've got to, got, got to take that one off and just sort of be in reality that, I mean, I think I would normally say there's three or four factors that contribute to my mental health. You know, one is going to be my parents, both their, um, <laughs> the, you know, their mental health and the example they set me, as well as the um, style of parenting they used. Um, one would be my past, you know, what I've experienced, you know, trauma and bullying and engender fear. My innate personality, I mean, as some of us, I think, are, are naturally, you know, more sensitive and more um, sort of overthinkers. Yeah. And, and then probably my present is, is probably the fourth P in that little list of, you know, factors that make me different to the girl next door. So there's no point, you know, comparing, even though we do all the time. I've just got to give myself permission to be on my journey. And, of course, Jay, I mean, to my mind, this is just synonymous, isn't it, with the sort of sanctification stuff we see in the scriptures, mm. you know, a, a growing up and a growing, <clears throat> you know, to, you know, away from some of those unhealthy patterns towards, you know, being a healthier human being. <laughs> Finishing off this conversation, I've got a few more questions for you, if you don't mind, but yeah. how did you become a believer? How did you, be, how did you get saved? Not a, 
complicated story. My parents sent me to Sunday school and then youth group at our Anglican church here in Sydney. And I do remember probably about age 12, kind of being intrigued by Jesus and probably a penny dropping kind of process of, wow, if he really is the son of God, this matters. And so when I was confirmed at age 13, that was quite meaningful for me. But interestingly, as I took my faith seriously through my teen years, my parents, you know, thought I'd joined the Moonies. (laughs) (laughs) You with me? So, look, you know, they have their own journey. They were certainly churchgoers, but they – and, look, I probably was, uh, you know – enthusiastic teenager <laughs> um, but things like things like beach mission and maybe then when I was water baptized at age 22 when I was going to a Baptist church in England again that was a little bit outside their comfort zone yeah that's okay so there we are <laughs> like that story yeah cool so for, for someone that is looking for a therapist at the moment or anything like that how would you go about recommending them or where would you steer them to that sort of thing well, look, you can actually Google Christian psychologist and that'll bring up some stuff. Um, number one. Number two would be through the Australian Psychological Society. Um, there's an interest group for Christianity and psychology. So there's a find a psychologist service through the APS that you could use. I mean, really, most people start with asking their GP or their minister, of course, yeah. you know, yeah. who are the people they know and like so there we go and they can come see you too <laughs> you're on that list well do you know jay it's not to I mean, because now with zoom i mean I, I i currently have patients in broken hill and dubbo you know and during lockdown i was doing seminars for a church in skipton and the om ship in the bahamas so wow. the technology opens up our world jay <laughs> crazy it's, stuff it's absolutely amazing Honestly, who inspires you currently, Sue? This is my second final question for you. Who inspires you to continue doing what you're doing? My first thought are some of my colleagues. So I have the privilege of meeting every month. Sorry, it's part of our requirements for our professional registration that we do professional development. So I meet with two other fabulous Christian Clint Sykes, you know, who, who I really enjoy. Yeah, look, as I hope you can hear in what I'm saying, I, I, I think I've got a uniquely exciting little kind of angle. And, Jay, I mean, the mental health, you know, issues in our community now are just everywhere. So maybe I'm reminding myself to, you know, get out from under my bushel a bit more <laughs> and, you know, a share maybe a bit more because um, I, I think there's great need. Look, the the people who inspire me, I'm look, I'm a bit of a Tim Keller fan. I don't know if you know his name. Yeah. I mean, I think he's one of the best psychologists I know, ironically. I mean, he's of course never trained in psychology. He's just such a you know, well-read the way he fellow. Thinks, yeah. And and the number of times his material oh, is is helpful. You know, even in um, I think it's the topic of repentance and confession. You know, he just has this lovely clarity. He says, you know, it's not it's not that and it's not this, but this is what it is. So I think on that topic he says it's not self-pity yeah. and it's not, you know, um, sadness or, or shame that I've been found out. It's a very different path down the middle of, of taking responsibility for my 
behavior and you know owning that I was out of line and there are consequences of that and I will bear those consequences and you know while our relationship is restored mm-hmm. I agree with you on Tim Keller's work love his stuff <laughs> it's very helpful but to finish off so what are some of the things that you would love to to leave this audience with to part some parting words for them <laughs> Look, I, I understand this audience that right are Christian young people. I want us to engage deeply with God's word and maybe explore those ideas I've mentioned about, I call it the throne room, that really it's some ideas about prayer, isn't it, Jay, that, mm. you know, I, I can, um, <laughs> there is a space here for us believers to be refreshed by and to rest in you know we, there's no performing no impressing he i just think that's such delicious territory so look it comes that those two comments which are bible reading and prayer uh, are nothing new are they jay they're they're the old things that we've all been trained in but uh, you can't, they're just so foundational, aren't they? And I think it's there in the throne room that, again, I let my heart, not, not just my mind, but my heart be, well, softened maybe by the Father and, you know, my little idolatries be exposed. So you can do a lot of fabulous self-therapy, I think, there in the throne room. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, sometimes it's helpful to have a professional to walk beside you. But, you know, I, I do want Christian young people to learn how to look after themselves emotionally, mm. you know, and I think a lot of that actually is is self-talk as well as assertiveness, Jay. I'll throw that one in. Um, you know, I meet a lot of Christians who are just too nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and they mistake passivity for godliness. They think if I just you know, just a bit distorted. So I spend a lot of my time helping, well, Christian women a lot kind of stand up for themselves and not be, not apologize for, you know, respecting themselves. Mm. And also that little voice in our head that tells us that something that is so foundational and so simple, that little voice in our head can complicate it a lot, which contributes to so many problems in young people today and even in adults as well because there's still some adults that allow the negative to take over their life and draw them away from Jesus and his word and because he says you know if we read the bible every single day if we pray if we do all those things we're going to feel a lot better than if we don't so yes it's it's simple but the process for a lot of people, including myself here, can be quite difficult at time if we allow the the little voice in our head to tell us otherwise. But Sue, thank you so much for your work, your time and your just wisdom as well. And for joining me today on the Inspiration Project podcast. My pleasure, Jay. Lots of fun. 